Darling, we've had one hell of a time But the question on everybody's mind Where is the You mentioned your new book, and this was, I had a good segue, but you fucking ruined it by mentioning I kept talking because I can't stop talking. We're, we're going six hours. It's cool. We're, we're going long. <laughs> but uh, your new book, Elixir, uh, with Victor Santos, is coming out from- And, and co-writer Ricky Mamone. Don't let me forget oh, Ricky. And, and Ricky mm-hmm. co-writing. Uh, it's coming out from Dark Horse. March. March 23rd? Uh, March, yeah. Or March 23, so March 2023. Is it now? Is it, no, if it's March now, it. go buy a copy. If right it's now. March now, go buy it. It might be March now. We don't know because it's January. Because yeah. time is a flat circle. Yeah, my brother currently texts me. He's like, yo, I'm at Avatar 2 and the sound is fucked up. This is ridiculous. <laughs> it's like there's like a click. I think he just sent me a caption. He's like, can you hear it? I'm like, dude, I'm busy. <laughs> um, do you like the new Avatar, Frank? I did not see it. So that's it's my, my own unobtainium. <laughs> oh. Oh. Unobtainium's out. They don't give a fuck about, they care about unobtainium in this one. They created no. one thing that people will remember forever. It's unobtainium. And, and they threw why it would you that's drop that? That's a Cameron roll. They could give a fuck about it now. <laughs> um so your new book, uh first of all, tell us what it's about. I right. said so, I set you up well, right as you take a drink. I, I will say I will say too. This is actually empty though. That's just a nervous tick I have to constantly drink from things. <laughs> Spoiler. Spoiler for on video. An Alexa. You were like, this is actually an Alexa. It's not a cup at all. (laughs) I actually saw an awesome joke on Twitter today where someone's like, was like, I don't get why like women like think I don't care about them Siri. And then it's like back from Siri, like this is Alexa. (laughs) And I'm like, it's a good joke. (laughs) I I really respect the coming out with the fake drink admission. I do fake drinks. I didn't know other people did fake drinks. No, it's just like, I I can't say any meeting. I I run out of water at some point in a two hour podcast. And every now and then I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) damn, you you were selling it. I'm like, that man loves that drink. I got called out by Scotty Young one at a Marvel summit because I would come in with a hot, a large hot cocoa every morning in a, like a, you know, a to-go cup. As, as you and, do, yeah. and I would just fake drink it all day. Like I would drink it until there's nothing left in the fake drink it. Oh and at God. the end of a summit for like nine hours, he was like, you really taking small sips there. And I was like, there hasn't been anything in here for five hours. Like, wow. <laughs> it's, filled, it's filled with blood. After that, I started bringing uh, half gallons of chocolate milk. So I'd actually have something to drink. Respect. This is a moment, one of those moments where I feel more part of the world around oh, me. This you feel seen? I'm glad. This is nice. yeah. Beautiful. You're she like, there's amazing. other people. I'm glad who you guys could have this. There's other freaks <laughs> out there. <laughs> I, I, I just go get another drink. I'm, I'm usually like, I'm oh, still look at this guy. <laughs> that, would power, that would be the power move. If this was live and I was like, I'm going to get a drink real quick. I'll tell you about yeah. my book. Can you see yeah, yeah, just walk yeah. out? <laughs> I'm going to tell you a, a secret, Griffin. Not everyone can afford another drink. God wow. damn it! You yeah. really fucking... check your fucking privilege. <laughs> <laughs> not not everyone. One drink a day. Oh, oh he's, he's gone. gone. Uh, uh, so that was a good one. Segue. One catered. But Frank. so I, I will say also. Let me take this moment to also talk about 
wanting to break other people in as well and hilariously i I wish you didn't say in i thought you were just gonna say wanting to break other people let's go let me tell you about people i'm about to break out of prison you might see it in the newspaper (laughs) but uh but no uh, my friend ricky mamone i met uh years and years ago at a con he came up to me and liked my work and was starting to break into comics i gave him some advice and thankfully was not a turd uh, <laughs> I always try to be nice to people because, again, we were those people who went up to people at cons and asked them for yeah. uh, for advice. And like Jesus Christ, I treat people how I want to be treated. <laughs> <laughs> One of the many ways I'm like. I wonder if Jesus Roman ever Catholics. took fake drinks. <laughs> All the time, the he was on the supper. cross. He was pretending. Yeah. He's like, "What are you doing?" Oh, wow! Oh, wow! Wow! <laughs> Got that the out? Last I don't know. Supper, dude. Supper. He's just like, take. Oh, you guys did take. Oh, Jesus, we've been at this dinner for three hours. Well, yeah, we've been here cup. a while. Jesus, yeah. that's an open cup. We can see it's empty. <laughs> in, in his defense, if I was at my last supper, I might want to spread it out and make it take longer too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's like keeping dinner running. But uh, yeah, so met Ricky. Uh, Ricky looks a little like jesus i guess segue okay. back in but i uh, met him at a con was super nice was that you yeah. were super nice did you just say i was super nice no he, i said he i nice. said he was super nice no he one said. in this room was super nice okay. to ricky at the con. okay <laughs> i was probably pretty i was medium nice but uh okay. mm-hmm. he then ended up working at apa as an assistant years later and this was when we were doing violent love and reached out to me and we just reconnected and actually became friends he also got me like light representation at the time and things were going on but uh we started talking and I was like, are you still making comics? And and we ended up talking a lot and just, uh, again, weirdly just had a friendship connection. And ultimately he was talking about what was trying to break in. And I was like, well, check it out, man. We wrap violent love. I want to do something with Victor. I don't know what we want to do next. Like we should co-write a book and Victor will draw it. And he was like, Oh, holy shit. So we started working on it way back then. It was probably, I don't even know, but, uh, a few years back it took us a while to get this all off the ground but uh in the interim ricky got a book out of image so i did not do him the solid i thought i was doing him but uh he did a book called uh second chances at image gosh probably already last year and again great writer like you should check out Second Chances as well it's out in trade now yeah, yeah. Very but good. uh it's on, it's on like yeah, that so, side right over there so elixir is, that, is. <laughs> i i will say too not to give you a million preambles but like i am a writer who likes the craft of writing and almost like approaching the problem of like oh i know a general story or genre how do we actually tell something cool here like how do we find a way in and despite being a nerd who loves like final fantasy who loves anime and like things like that that i hadn't really infused into my work too much and then talking with ricky we decided to do a uh modern sci-fi fantasy slash urban fantasy story and I also started finally reading uh, modern fantasy novels. Like I really love Brandon Sanderson now. Like I, I read a bunch of Joe Abercrombie stuff as well. And like, I just never got into that genre early on. And now I'm super into it. And I was like, I want to do something that's a little more urban fantasy pen. And uh, I asked Victor and he was excited about it. This is how we kind of came up with Violent Love too. I was like, what genre do you want to do, Victor? He's like, I've never done a romance book. So I was like, let's do a crime romance. But uh Elixir is about a world where basically there was flourishing magic, but it's died out and been replaced with technology. And there's a secret cult basically of druids who uh, protect magic or trying to overthrow technology. And there's a secret artifact called the Elixir that has discovered that uh, one of their agents uh, actually recovers, but then goes rogue. And our protagonist is a young girl whose mother is really entrenched in druids who 
that character was her mentor and she kind of goes on a mission to discover why did he take it? What's going on? It sends her on adventure where she kind of discovers the secret of reinstating magic. And uh, again, it's very much like starts in a city, like very like techno pseudo Final Fantasy seven looking stuff and then gets out into the woods. And I was just actually looking at it last night and Victor did like really transcendent work on it. It's a, it's a, it's a monochrome blue book uh, with little bit of color here and there and then black and white stuff. And Victor is just one of my favorite collaborators. I think he's a genius and mm-hmm. he's an artist where you send him a script and he just elevates it and will do kind of uh, within reason if you give him the space, but like kind of do his own thing with paneling and make you look like you wrote something better than you did, which is why I love working with him. And uh, he just like absolutely killed it. There's so much in this book. That, and again, when you work on something, you get so, so close to it. You see every page, and especially when you letter it, like you have to look at everything. You kind of forget that it's, a cool comic that someone drew but uh mm-hmm. looking at it with fresh eyes the other night when i was looking at proof like he has always been good but i feel like he just did so many smart cool things as he loves he really loves manga he really obviously like has a, a very big bruce tim darwin cook influence but like i feel like he's just really been pushing his layouts and things like that and super super proud of it and as a co-writing exercise like i know griffin and ethan like you co-write together and I'm mm-hmm. always curious how different people do it. But for me, like part of like burning out of comics in terms of like not knowing like what I want to do and, and switching over games, I ended up like co-writing about like three or four projects, which yeah, right. for me was really helpful to one, get another person's enthusiasm when I was a little just like, Oh, woe is me? Like what the hell's going on? And just <laughs> feeling like a little too close to everything. But uh, yeah, the joy for me has really come just like we break the story together. Like we talk through like, and again, this is just good general like writer's room writing practice and like make an outline. And then like Ricky wrote a bunch of the script for uh, for Elixir. Like I feel like he did like the first like 40 pages, which was kind of like a chunk that we broke as an outline. And then I did some and then he did some as well. And then we went back and forth on dialogue after and then I lettered it. Uh, but stuff like that, it doesn't take away like I don't care who writes the physical page when you break the story <laughs> together. Like we we yeah. both know that Victor's going to kind of reinterpret it too. And yeah. I don't know. Some people probably have a different perspective and like to be very precious. But like for me, like with the books I co-wrote, because I also co-wrote a book called Astonishing Times uh, with uh, a co-writer named Eris Canonis, who does a YouTube channel, Variant. And uh, Ruri Coleman was the artist on that. Phenomenal. And Laura Daffy colored it. But uh, that was more where I took the reins because Eris had never written a comic before. And I was kind of teaching him how to physically like write a script. So it was a lot more. We broke the story together than I physically did the scripting. And it, mm. it just like almost doesn't matter to me. Cause like the comic script, like, especially without like final dialogue, isn't so sacrosanct to me. It's, it's much more like a screenplay. I would say even yeah. screenplay because people probably read screenplays a lot more like agents and shit read the script versus comic strips. No one's really reading, but the artist. For me, it just turns into as long as we broke the ideas together and know the general shape of it. Like, I'm not someone who's like, I need to write panel one. David walks into the room. Panel two, <laughs> David picks up a cup. Like, that's my fucking art, man. Like, right. Yeah, that, that, that. But it, it's been a cool exercise. I mean, I'm excited to now do a few more books uh, in the coming year just by myself. Not for like, I don't know. It just feels good to to do things. Just the artist and I collaborating again. But uh, it, it was a really good time of just having that organic like hey like what do you think should happen here like like fun more collaborative storytelling stuff i love that that thing you're saying you said of, of like having the other person's enthusiasm because like 
yeah, the book that we've been working on, we've worked for so long and like, and there have been so many points of frustration and now we like, now we just clash all the time as it's like coming together <laughs> and, it, and it's just ridiculous. But there have been so many points of just like energy breakdown where like, I think for both of us, I'm like, we'll just be dead inside. But then like, there have been points where then we'll get on a call and we'll break something. Yep. And it's like, we end that like, Oh fuck. Yeah. Like, yeah. like we're just like, no, no. we get all amped up again. Yeah. It's crazy. Every, every time. Like I feel like, like on astonishing times, the yeah. uh, artist Ruri is awesome. And like, likes to actually just sit down and go over thumbnails with us, right. which mm. not everyone does. Like a lot of times people will just be go right to, to pages, but like, I would always be annoyed and be like, oh, I don't have an hour to like sit down and like <laughs> things like that. Like just, you know, yeah. general life shit. Sometimes you're not in the zone, but the minute we get there and you start showing things and we have three yeah. people talking, like it yeah. recreates that excitement and reminds you like, Oh wait, like I like doing this. Like, totally. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I find that a lot that like thinking about the job sometimes feels <laughs> hard is much is the hardest part of the job. Like doing <laughs> the job is like never sort of not, fun even when you're like i can't make this work or this is you know even when there's frustrations there it's a sort of fun frustration it's a very good job but intellectually mm -hmm. when you step back from the job there's a lot of like <laughs> fatigue and inertia that you feel of just like I, not knowing how to in, how to get excited about it until you have to get excited about it mm -hmm. with the co-writing too i feel like it for me like i feel like why it reinvigorated me is it helped like another tier of like discovering the project because again mm. going back to like why i like comics is i love comics because you write as a writer like you write it and then your collaborator brings you the art and you kind of rediscover your work you get to see it drawn and that's mm. always exciting like maybe mm. some people are narcissists and control freaks and that bugs them out but for me it's more like like i said like with victor like wow you made this better like this yeah, was yeah. literally an idea and you've turned it into something cool but like in with that with a co-writer like i said we'll break the outline and then like when i when i have my co-writer write some of the pages i get to be like a third party again and excited yeah. about that again of like oh wow like the way you approach that scene even though we had like a beat of like david talks to ann about xyz the way you did it i wouldn't have thought to do it and i think that's mm. cool and like it's yet another tier so it, it's been really good for me the last few years and kind of reminded me like what gets me excited about things, what I like. And uh, again, if you are a writer who's only worked by yourself, like try co-writing something sometime. It's fun. Yeah. The, um, it's interesting. Uh, like uh, the, I read, I read the book and, and you sent me a version that didn't have credits. And I sad, <laughs> sadly forgot that Ricky, Ricky co-wrote it. And I, I know I said you have a PDF, no title page. No, no nothing. <laughs> and it's also the PDF you sent crashed my iPad. It's so big. <laughs> technology genius Frank Pepper. Um, i had the same thing acrobat tried to it was like i can't i don't yeah. know what the deal was <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, totally uncompressed. my computer uh, opened it my, my ipad was like no but no i uh so apologies to ricky because this question came without him but i think it's it's a testament to, to his skill and how well you guys work together but like mm. i i going from violent love to this the thing i'm really love about it is how much you and Victor and in this case Ricky like complement each other how you know when to step back and let Victor tell the story and how he knows when to step back and let it be more dialogue and do do these smaller moments it's really like it, it, you got you feel that they like you and Victor have such a special connection as a as a team it's really like the kind of thing where you're like oh they just it, it's like watching a, a great 
dance number, like a great, you know, yeah. like where they're just, you're so in step in a way that I feel like I'm very jealous of a, a lot yeah, of time. He, I, it's really just, impressive, you know? He just gets it. He's so, so good. And like, I feel like he writes his own books too and like sure. works so hard and does so much stuff. I just feel like honored he'll give me any of his time, quite frankly. Like, and I actually, I actually use one of the pages from Violent Love, the script of Violent Love number four. I go teach in Denmark and teach a comics like writing class. I use that script and the issue to show how to write comics to kids because like, not mm -hmm. well, they're adults, but like, but like, because Victor like elevated the page so much and like, look, like you got in their artists as well at the program. They, but they also do learn writing, which I think is really valuable. But I'm like, this is all I had to write, like to get this from him. And like, yeah. I know that going in and then I, and then when you letter the book as well, like I get final cut on the book when it's by myself and mm. there's stuff in that script. They're like, Oh, you took dialogue out. I'm like, yeah, because I wrote someone saying something that they didn't need to say because he nailed it mm. so hard in the acting. Yeah. And that's another thing I stand by is I know a few people, especially when you're rushing and I, I feel like it's different at Marvel and DC when it's so deadline driven, but like, with my creator on work, even if it's like the shittiest dialogue in the world, like I need dialogue in the script. So the artist knows that acting prompt. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like I constantly see books where I can tell the artist didn't have an acting prompt yeah, and yeah. people will have no expression, but be saying something mm -hmm. really loaded or something really intense. And and with me, like, I feel like that's the most important thing, like when breaking down a page and the sequence I do is a dialogue page. And you probably saw this in Elixir, like Victor is so good at talking head stuff because he sure. makes it all look good in like, gives people like emotions, <laughs> gives them like, yeah. it, it's just so great. Cause like so many people are afraid to write even stuff like that. Sometimes I feel like Tyler obviously yeah. as well does that so expertly. Oh, yeah. And um, it, it is just like, that is like the like God tier comic art to me. Like when people really get it, when they're able yeah. to just like, not just draw like someone like, and someone like back like that. Right, right, yeah. Right, right. I mean, I think I, that's the, that's the advice that I give to artists a lot is like, everybody can draw Victory. everybody who works <laughs> everybody who works professionally in comics can has a cool batman has a cool hulk in them can, right. you, can you make two people having coffee together look good like because you need to that's your job like more often than not your job is to make people having a conversation look and, good and and i don't know how you do it like or if you go back and forth, I don't, but I, I don't either. No, but I, I will say like, not to go on forever, but small craft corner. I will say like, I am, what helps me and is super useful is like, I will at this point, and, and I kind of always did this probably because I hated writing dialogue, but like, I will write every sequence without dialogue before I put dialogue in, even when it's a conversation. And that's how I make sure I get the acting cues because, and that's why I show that page in violent love where it's it, it can feel melodramatic but it's a comic you need to see the acting yeah. where i will say like daisy argues a point about her father to rock and i'll say like then rock dismisses it and doesn't care it's like daisy tries again and one it helps me beat out a conversation so there's an actual flow to it and two that's when i can then write the dialogue and why i can even end up cutting it and that's how i make sure that there's just acting prompts and there's a back and forth through the paneling right. and it's really helped me. And, and this is especially helpful. I think teach young people cause they will, you'll say, write a conversation. They'll open up Microsoft word and write like, John, hello, Diane, Diane, what's up, John, yeah. how's your kids? And, and my focus is like, no focus on the actual your, thing. And your fake conversations are my favorite thing. What's <laughs> up, Diane? How's your kids? <laughs> what's up, John? What's up, John? What's John, up? John, you ignorant slut. Uh, <laughs> the, um, 
Yeah, that's the opposite of how I do it. But I was uh, going to say, I feel like you feel like you probably have more of the conversation in mind. I do. I tend to, if I know it's like super conversational back and forth, I mm. just script it and then figure out how to fit it into a page and what the moments are. And that's a lot of the, um, the sort of sorry. So, so you you just write out all of the dialogue. I write it like it's a play. Figure yeah. Out, yeah, and then figure it figure out where it goes oh, and okay. what the beats are and stuff. That's what that's what I've talked about it on the podcast before. But working with Otto Schmidt, yeah. um, Otto adds panels and changes things, but yeah. his acting is so strong, and I it's the longest I take on lettering passes because I can't. I have to figure out. I was like, this panel, he's added a panel here that clearly is like this character laughing. That's probably this line. So that explains, and it's I'm, like putting together a puzzle with him yeah. because I have to figure you, out what goes where because he redecides what beats need moments and what beats need panels. And he's awesome at it. He's better than I was I like, will, will you like, because again, I don't think I've ever written anything that probably has as much dialogue as a lot of your books, funny enough, mm -hmm. just because I've been so adverse to it. I've got so used to doing it this way, but like, Will you then like try to break into panels on your own or will you oh, say yeah, yeah. And, I, I yeah. always do in panels? Yeah, I guess yeah. Yeah. that's so weird to me, though, just because I, I can't imagine seeing the volume of dialogue. Oh, like, it's I, I'm like obsessed with keeping like one page for PDF is one page for script and shit like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah I it, it sucks. And, and it's why I mean, I've never had a creator own book that sticks to 20 pages. Yeah. Like. We can never go home. I'm, I'm adamant about focus. that as well, though, man. Like that's especially issue ones too. It's like I mean, I, I feel like you've totally reimagined that with for this place. Like, yeah, I mean, the, <laughs> so this scene is this scene is as long as it needs to be, and this issue is as long as it needs to be. And like, you know, uh, I had someone bust on us the other day and be like, "You guys, you know, the book came out a year ago, and you've only put out nine issues." And I was like, "Yeah." check like, those out homie yeah. and i was like that's cool and i was like i'm sorry is that that you know like that's not enough for you like and, whatever and also, i literally cannot imagine and, wanting more rather than the better version but then but but then i was but like also, i was like nine issues would be 180 pages we put out 340 so like yeah also but like talking about like at this juncture like it is inhuman to make anyone draw 20 pages of comics a month full I, stop people do it but like right. i just like don't understand like there are a couple like, people and, i work with who breeze through it and it's well the most, stress, the most stressful thing in my career is having people who beat, <laughs> beat that but but i just mean like sometimes with sometimes with consumer expectation it's just like understand please how hard and, and this is yeah. some, well i won't there's a whole other topic but like it continually bums a lot of comics people i know out when like I was again talking to games people or character designers or concept artists. Where I was like, I spent two months on a piece, and again, I get paid fucking one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year. I'm paid if I'm drawing or not, and it's like, cool, man. I have to draw twenty pages. I get a hundred dollars a page, and yeah. each of those pages features ten illustrations on it. Like, yeah. comic artists get the rawest deal. Like, they have to do yeah. a ton. Well, of work. I, and I like, remember in, years ago when I started, I was like, uh, you know, someone telling me like, when you become like a, a fully working comics writer, who's busy, like there's no other writing gig in the world that matches the level, like newspaper, daily newspaper writer is close, but like the volume of a, of a, of a multi-book comics writer, like, you know, if you, if you just think of the volume of like, well, six issues is about the length of a movie screenplay. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I wrote 47 <laughs> issues last year. Yeah, I was going to say, like, and again, we can, this no, is more general, probably no. Q&A, like, I, I don't mean to go so off topic. I think we had an interesting conversation, though. But, like, what is the, the maximum 
amount of books you've been writing a month now because i don't think i ever topped four and that felt like like indentured the service maximum i've ever done in a month yeah i was on eight. Oh. <laughs> i'll be realistically no one should do more than one but like <laughs> oh yeah yeah no i i you know like i you know there's there's writers who do one or two and like yeah. you know you can see why their work is better it's like yeah you no, know no, like and, and again, i don't, I don't mean that a slight toward anyone but it's like again like you said like you do four books that's beyond a screen well 20 page but Long story short, people who are writing other things take so much more time, and and that trickles over to art too. So many people don't understand, and I think of what we were doing in Five Ghosts, like especially, which like we did that book monthly, which was insane, and and we got all fucked up with scheduling, but like largely it still came out month to month, and like you write shit like there's an airship in this issue and like you don't have time to do designs it's like figure yeah. it out on the page homie like brand new character they should look cool figure it out yeah, and yeah. like there's stuff like that where it's just like you hope it it gets together and like it's just a, and then when you start mixing in other artists and everything too or you're writing out of sequence for events yeah. and stuff like i it, it's a gnarly life but i will say just to <laughs> echo back to games it does like i feel like that cadence and things like that like it's really interesting as, as I don't mean this as a put down to any, any colleagues, but like you can tell who's done a job that had high output versus people yeah. who are much more precious because like it teaches you like TV writing is probably the most, most comparable thing where you learn to just, you, you're doing the job, man. You're yeah, yeah. making stuff and you're churning out work and you don't have time to always be as precious. And that's helped me a lot, be mm -hmm. able to do stuff quickly, even if it's not like, the pinnacle like you yeah. need work sometimes and you can't mm -hmm. have the person in the room who's gonna like be like oh you need me to write 100 lines get back to you in uh two months it's like no yeah. by tomorrow dude yeah, like, yeah. and they my, should not be shitty either it's my, like, oh. my, fa my father who was a, a tv writer for a long time uh when there was a writer strike one year he was on on the picket line with a soap opera writer and the, <laughs> and the yeah. soap opera writer was like this is the worst thing that could ever happen to us like when scabs come in to write the soaps and and my dad was like yeah yeah no one wants them and the soap opera writer was like no you don't understand like the way we pay stories we we make stories for people who have lives and are very busy and they're on every day so they move incredibly slow so if your kid is homesick for three days and you can't watch you kind of don't miss very much <laughs> like that's the whole point and they're like and we use you know we outline a year and then the scabs come in and look at it and they're regular TV writers, not soap writers. And they go, yeah, that's about a week's worth of story. And they burn through a year so fast. And they're like, and they don't know all these tricks. They're like, we have all these tricks where like there, nothing is delivered visually on, on a soap opera because people are going to the other room. People are, you know, doing tasks while they watch. That's what their expectation of the audience is. So they were like, you know, we, we, everything is announced. They don't write like that. So people miss a ton of stuff. And then, you know, like, they're like, we, we put someone, we, we start a wedding and two weeks later, you're still at the wedding. Like, that's the point. like I, I have told, I have told so many people this story when you told yeah. me, cause like the scabs, which was like, they burned through the wedding, a funeral and like yeah. three things in two weeks. I, I, and everyone's like, what the fuck is happening? They're like, this yeah. is more development. This is, I mean, cause they get a year's worth of development in a week and they're just like, yeah, and it fucks us because the audience isn't comfortable with it. And then we have to create all new storylines when the strike's over to come that's back. That's fascinating. And I, yeah. I think about that and just like, 
whenever I think about volume writing, because I, like soap opera writing is again, another thing where it's like, well, it's daily writing. You guys are on the set, right? Ha, have you had to do like, cause again, you've done a lot, lot more big two stuff than me. And I feel like my stuff was very self-contained, but like, have you had to do like crazy out of sequence shit where like you're writing issue one, two and three and seven, eight and nine and whatnot. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's what I'm doing it right now. <laughs> um, no, the, when I was on X-Men, when I was on X-Men, uh, I, there was a time when I had four artists on, because it was a double ship. <laughs> it was a double ship, and then um, uh, Salvador LaRocca stepped off the book, and he was capable of doing it once every two weeks. But no one, they didn't have anyone else who could come in last minute who could even do it monthly. So it went from being feeding one artist to feeding five. <sighs> And they were like, oh, you need to start having scripts, like five issues of scripts in it around the and, same and time. And that's when, again, I won't begrudge anyone as I am someone, as I said, I, I swear by the need to like have rough dialogue. But I, I remember seeing Marvel script stars at Marvel where there'd be like a block, like Magneto says something about mutants here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, that was the, that's always the thing I, I, I talk about because you, when you got there, they sent you a sample script by a, by a friend of the room writer who was there. And the page you sent me was Thor shows up. He's angry. Hydra agent says something rude. Thor kicks his ass. And that was the description of the page. And I was like, that's what a comic script looks like. And I can't do that. I can't at all. Because yeah, have you, I've never written anything Marvel style. I know a few people who have, but have you ever done a plot? like? Yeah, style I did plot or? style stuff on, I did it a couple times on some things at Marvel when it absolutely had to be done, but I did it on the end of Task Force Z because Eddie Barrows, um, I mean, he's just a genius and like, he likes that. And I was just like, yeah, was that was that cool or was it fucking weird? Like it's so hard. Like, did um, it feel like you wrote it or did it feel like he like? It, I mean, my I, my plot style was probably tighter than his because I was. Like, I was these are, say, the, yeah, these are the yeah. these are the beats on the page. So you I'm didn't write Thor, of, Thor kicks someone's ass. Uh, no, it would really yeah. be like these things have to happen, but I wouldn't have dialogue and uh, and and he's crazy and awesome at his job, and he would turn back these pages where I'd be like, oh, this whole thing is like seen through a tombstone and like the tombs and i was like i don't know how to put dialogue Uh, i I will i will end though on that note of like uh talking about craft quarter hashtag craft quarter that like every (laughs) every comic book artist will write a better fight scene than me if i if they did every fight scene in my script it would be guy throws a punch guy ducks guy kicks leg guy falls guy gets back up punches again and every time like i'm just like what's a cool back and forth i'm like oh someone but like they always figure out how to make it much better. Like yeah, really yeah. on Asajj Times, like I, really like uh, that's the only place I'll get very loose. Like if there's like a full page fight scene, I'll be like fight scene, like maybe a beat if someone does something cool or specific, but like end it here. And like, that's normally successful for me. Like, because I just know I'm not a good fight choreographer. Like yeah, that the artist typically will be. And I think, it, I don't know if we did that too much for Victor and Elixir. I feel like we wrote because we were two of us on it. I think we were like, kind of tight but he still made it so you'll see like some of the pages like when they're like fighting in the graveyard and stuff like that was probably like only four panels from us but he broke it into a whole sequence with people actually doing things and again i feel like not not to say every artist should read manga but a lot of them do but i feel like a lot of manga like just like those hyper decompressed fights and like the artists who study that i feel like in like nick tricotta like trad moore and stuff like that like they really jam on Mm -hmm that and i feel like it yeah. will always be better than reading a like 
Captain America throws a punch. Red Skull. Yeah. I think we we always used to joke that uh, in like bad comics from like way before, like I think art got a little more decompressed like that. Like it'll be like, we're the Avengers. We're going to fight these guys. The other guys will be like, we're going to fight you too. Then there'll be one panel where everyone looks like they're dancing. And then be, that was a, that was a crazy fight. Like, after. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, no, the manga thing is interesting though, because it, it segues back to what I want to talk about in Elixir and wrapping it up. But I, I, the other day I was like, you know, if I could give, one piece of and i shouldn't be giving art advice to artists ever but i'm like <laughs> if i could give art advice to anyone it would be read uh ping pong the did you read ping pong uh i saw the anime but i didn't read it but oh, i read Tekken king creed his, so yeah well Tekken king creed's great but ping pong like you know it's not fights it's ping pong games but yeah. they're choreographed like fights and they have this kinetic energy and i'm like if you can put this kind of kinetic energy on a page for a game of ping pong, you could do it for anything. Like, and not that yeah. ping pong isn't energetic and people are playing. No, no, yeah. But like but... the back and forth and the way he makes it exciting visually because it's photographs the... of ping pong. You know, it's drawings yeah. of ping I mean, pong. It's not it, going to be visually point, interesting, like... but it's so interesting and like that. I think you, is, you, is such you a can make on how to make you can make different. anything good. I, I don't yeah. mean to be an eternal optimist, but there are some people like you can't do whatever. And it's like, no, man. Well, Come I was on a panel very famously and not, not very famously, famously in my mind, but no one actually saw it. <laughs> it was me and a lot more famous writers. Like I was sitting next to Tom King and like, uh, I can't remember, but again, a lot of people who did a lot more important work than me. And like, we're going into, uh, I guess we were just, I was writing commandos and like, there was a question about like bad characters. And I was like, kind of took the like writer high horse. I'm like, there are no bad characters. It's your job as the writer to make anybody interesting. And then like, Tom's like, no, there are bad characters. Uh But like his whole career is making shitty characters interesting at this point. But truly like, that's the thing. I'm like, I don't think like, like it's, you can figure out and make anything cool, man. Yeah. yeah. You can figure out something to say and find your way in. Yeah. In the same way that like ping pong, I, when I was in at DC, when I started at DC and was in Scott Snyder's writing class, um, you know, Scott, Scott called me and was like, you know, what do you think we should study? And what do you think he, you know, if you, if this were your class, what would you teach? And it was just very, you know, Scott, like, I was math. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, I've been teaching basic accounting. Um, <laughs> the, uh, no, but I was like, you know, the book that I would go to of a DC book that I would study is, is Gelsimon's Secret Six, because like, mm. Those are characters that I don't think anyone, almost no one who picked up that book at the time cared about most of those Yo, characters. That, that Catman joint. Yeah, and at the end of it, you <laughs> that, love that all doll man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, that's just such a, I believe it's Ragdoll, not doll man. Oh, um, I know nothing about DC Comics. That was embarrassing. <laughs> wow. We're going to cut that out. Um, <laughs> the, uh, but, you know, that's such a lesson in like, there are no bad characters you're gonna you can make me fall in love with anybody if you write them well that was my bigger point that turned into a joke answer on the panel which kind of annoyed me but like no truly like it's it's, yeah like yeah that's the whole thing that's the one thing that i miss about doing work for hire stuff i will say like finding that cool in and i will end on that bon ma of knowledge but like and, and especially curious with your opinion. Well, oh, let's say the thing about Elixir first, and then we can well, I was finish just up. Say, and then we can, and then we can wrap up. But I was gonna, I was gonna say, ask two things about Elixir. One being like, it's interesting to me because I know you're a big manga reader and an anime fan and stuff. But also, real, like, real cool guy, TM. <laughs> but also, like, you're coming from this back video game time now, and like, this might be a weird comment, but the book feels very Japanese to me. 
Like it mm. feels, and at first I was like, oh, there's a lot of manga influence in this. And then I was like, I don't think it's just manga. Like there's a lot of like Final Fantasy influence in this. There's mm. a lot of stuff like that. And like, was that intentional? Is that something you set out? See, to that, I felt that about video game stuff. Knowing that you write for games, I was wondering if there was video game influence. And I saw the Final Fantasy thing in the I, I feel like of some of it was yeah. honestly Ricky. Cause like, I feel mm. like from our outline to, uh, and again, not to dodge, I'm, I'm sure there's stuff I don't, pick up on but coming into this book like i said i read a bunch of brandon sanderson books which i was really psyched on and Mm -hmm. literally like i loved his like magic systems i'm like i want to do a book with a magic system we ended up kind of shelving that because that's just not how my brain works uh like there's loose stuff but we don't really get into the mechanics of it but uh but i feel like after we outlined stuff i told ricky like hey we're trying to do like kind of a final fantasy meets like whatever and he reads a lot of manga watches a lot of anime and he came back with a lot of like some of the conceptual stuff in the script that felt a little more like Uh in that space and i think i just riffed off that and i have been in like heavy world building zone so like but at the same time i don't like like doing it so straight up because again i don't want to spend a few chapters be like as you know david that tower takes us to the central core no you do you do an amazing job in the book of like opening (laughs) you know mid scene and just being like and it's something i love where you just like catch up like you're gonna figure out what this world is but it it opens so well and just like dropping you into a world where you don't understand them i'm glad you guys like the book though because no one else has really read it other than us our editor and like (laughs) I don't even know, but uh, it, it was, it's one of those weird things. And that's one of the things about comics that always feels weird. And, and games can kind of feel like this too, especially I think games that some people work on for like three, four or five years. Like it feels like your weird little thing and you mm. forget that it's going out into the world <laughs> at some point. And like uh, this book has just felt like our weird little thing. Cause again, we've been working on it for a long ass time and at least script wise, then Victor mm. just hit it like a rocket. But uh it is like, again, I like doing self-contained stuff. I feel like I'm at peace with like, hey, like doing a, because basically it was supposed to be a five issue mini and it's mm-hmm. the clock's a little over 120. But I feel like we got in there and we're able to like say our piece and end on a like kind of interesting, like optimistic yeah. note in the book. And uh, mm. again, my, 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 my fear when we got into like the magic stuff, like there were drafts where they were a little more like, as you know, magic in our world has been replaced with technology, but I think we found a good balance and it like comes across. Cause it's not like, so how are the kids? But anyhow, uh, it, it, it was a lot of that going around. And as I, said, I really do think mm-hmm. like Victor, obviously just like his big, big manga. But I think we were a little more like knowing he was in this genre. He was like, Oh, I'm going to go full blown. Like I don't need mm-hmm. to hold back or worry about this being an IP. And, and that helped a lot. But, uh, Again, I, I was surprised with how much like interesting influence Ricky brought into that. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I, we spent a long time talking about the book before we even wrote anything, though, which was, I think, really beneficial. Because I, I think he's more of a he's even more than me, like a conceptual, like smart, like oh, like let's make sure the themes there. And I'm a very like I have an idea and I want to start writing it, and like I'll find that stuff sometimes or pull back at a moment and then figure it out. But uh we did a lot of like high, high concept stuff. Cause one of the places the book came from is uh, I was really into a story about uh, this is this. I don't mean this to sound fucked up and dark, but like my mom was like super radicalized by Fox news and it bummed me the fuck out. Uh-huh. And I like, didn't get it. And I didn't realize that she might've had Republican views for her whole life until mm-hmm. that happened. So she hates Matthew. 
<laughs> I don't think you ever met my mom. My mom no, unfortunately passed, but uh, I, she probably would have been fucking infuriated about Trans Joker. She would have yeah. seen it on Fox News and mentioned it to me. <laughs> so I'm glad we missed that. But uh, she'd be like, look what these fucking liberals have done. <laughs> but uh, no. but uh, I wanted to write a story about a, a character who basically like lived in this world with her controlling parents and a magic system and thought like, this is just the way the world works. But then finally was like, Oh wait, like growing up is about realizing it doesn't have to be the way that Mm. these adults who I thought had it together explain the world to be. And I I think it's still in there, but that was for me, at least one of the like personal touchstones of like, Oh, like I, I think that's interesting in a world where everyone's like, no, the world should be one way. And then we have a protagonist who realizes like, oh, wait, like my opinion is valid. And like, maybe it doesn't have to be the way that they say. I think that's really interesting and and sort of beautiful. And this sort of segues perfectly into my last question, which is like, and you sort of touched on it, but like the book has this really strong sort of really beautiful theme about sort of regret and and coming to terms with differences and 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 letting go of regret and letting go of resentment in this sort of really beautiful way, I think. And like, I was kind of very touched by the end of it. And like, <laughs> we were like, clearly Frank, they read this by himself. <laughs> no, I, just, I, 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 I was just wondering sort of like, uh, you know, where that came, like if that was always your idea in this to have this book be about these things. Hmm. I, over the years, and, and I'll say the last thing I had wanted to say about work for hire for me, I had a really like transformative moment in my career when I finally got to work at Marvel. One of my favorite things I ever wrote is the first thing I wrote at Marvel, that Dr. Strange issue with Marco mm-hmm. Rudy. Mm-hmm. It was such a weird and cool opportunity as I love John Hickman's Avengers run. Then I got to write into it. I got to do a self-contained 30 page story for Dr. Strange with Marco Rudy, who's a genius as my collaborator and did mind blowing work. And I remember going into pitching that story. I had to pitch I, we had to do a bake-off. And for me, I was like, I read a lot about writing in a nerdy way. And like, obviously I'm not saying you have to, again, go read Robert McKee to understand, but like I had really fixated on, I think a lot of people get into writing because they like cool things. They like stories that are of a genre. They like seeing the cool part of the story. They don't necessarily do the like deep dive of like, Oh, what was this about? Or what was the writer interested in or any creative involved? Like what was the thing behind the thing? And when I was thinking about a story to do there, I was very high on like, oh, like everyone is going to pitch like Doctor Strange goes and fights some guys. Like what is like an actual like emotional beat I can get to? And I designed the story around this idea of like, oh, Doctor Strange has become the person who's scary enough that he will do the wrong thing for the right reasons and like bury himself. And I think that's like we can echo that within the past show how he used to not be wanting to go there and just like kind of found a way into the story to kind of say something that was more thematic. And it made me realize like, Oh shit. Like it's cool when I do this with whatever I make up, but if you can do this with Spider-Man, that's awesome because people mm-hmm. will pay attention. Yeah. And like, people don't want just a story like, Oh, well, again, sometimes we do, but like that was a big moment for me. And again, I, that's one thing that I miss about IP is like, again, writing the Deja Thoris book, like, I do not care about Deja Thoris necessarily or, or the John Carter IP more than just having a casual observance. But uh, once, uh, once like, uh, again, Gail Simone came up with the great concept there and uh, of like, Oh, she kind of goes and joins the army and is no longer a princess. Like that was another thing where I'm like, Oh wow, I'm really into this. This book is about identity. This, we, we made it that she thinks she's adopted and like, 
it was a way into an IP I never thought I would be about. And I took that with me to like writing the League of Legends game where like there were these League of Legends characters who there's great writing teams at Riot, but all their lore is like passive, like none of it's in the game. And I was able to like come up with takes on these characters and a few of them had nothing like going mm-hmm. on. And it was really cool to do that organically with, with IP characters. But uh, well, again, so with Elixir, like I knew, like, I don't know, I'm an optimist. I want to have a happy ending, even if mm-hmm. it is bleak. And like, for me, like, I want to spoil the book, but there's a moment where there's a reconciliation between <laughs> two characters that was really important to me because I didn't want the character to just be like, I'm cool and independent now. I'm just going to slap everyone out of the way and just move on. It's more like, oh, like you, you growing can help other people grow too. Yeah. So. It's, it's really beautiful. And it, it really, I think, you know, like I, I really enjoyed the book. And at the end, it's, it's so well done because I think like all these themes are there, but in very subtle small ways that like you're leading us where you're trying to go but you don't you don't hold hands it's not it's not obvious and so when it gets to the end I was really caught off guard by sort of how beautiful it was and how you know sort of a sweet sort of sad optimistic Mm. message at the end of the book it was really uh it was really well done man I I really I really loved the book I'm glad I'm glad that resonated again it is I feel like it does throw a few curveballs, which I was really into. And again, yeah. part of that was like the joy of working with a co-writer who had like a good idea. Like there's a, there's a part at the end where they kind of go to another world where I never even conceived of that. And mm-hmm. Ricky was like, what if we do this to explore like some consequence? I was like, holy shit, that's awesome. And yeah. <laughs> um, on, on that note, I, I just wanted to say, I, I think we can wrap it here. Like um you're you're one of my my good friends and oh. and one of the people who taught me how to make comics and how to you know i i look to not just for for the craft but also for you know how to navigate a career and and how mm-hmm. to do you know sort of almost every element of this and so obviously i'm really happy that you're kicking ass in video game world but i'm i'm very happy to have you back making comics because not just because i i love the work but also because you are uh uh an inspiration to me and and a, and a oh, big i'm making heart hands anyone who's listening, hands to this. <laughs> listening and so and so i'm just really happy that this book is coming out and and that more stuff's coming and that astonishing times came out and um i'm so happy to have you on the show man thanks for no thanks no for thank you so much for having and, and and back at you like for anyone who's like struggling like again so many of our friends like even even like you matt like i remember like I got that first Marvel thing. I know you want to work at Marvel so bad. You were so supportive and excited about it. And like, it was like, yeah, you'll get there too. It's not like a race. It's not a shitty thing. It's like, yeah. And again, and then you did pregnant Joker and you peaked. So (laughs) (laughs) no, truly. And again, it's been, it's been awesome. I'm glad to be here. And hopefully this was an interesting conversation. It definitely was. Elixir was so awesome. Thanks so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much, guys. For I'm sorry to go on and on, but no, no, (laughs) no, absolutely. Absolutely. It was great. And that brings us to the end of part two of our discussion with Frank Barberi. Make sure to check out Elixir, as well as everything else Frank is working on, by giving him a follow on Twitter, at Atlas Incognita. To get the latest episodes of this podcast, as well as news, giveaways, and even comics delivered straight to your inbox, go to ashcanpress.com and sign up for the newsletter. We'll be back next week with another wonderful guest. And in the meantime, you can write to us at ideasdontbleedpod at gmail.com or tweet to Matthew Rosenberg at Ashcan Press on Twitter, me at Tales to Astonish, or Griffin at Griff Sheridan. We'll 
we'll include some of your correspondence on the show, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. And big thanks to Summer People for our theme song, Where's the Poison? Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Where is the poison?